biblical look at law, civics, and government. My name is Eric Lupul. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. If I sound a little bit different, it's because I am recovering from a sickness last week and a half or so. I'm feeling fine, except for my voice is not quite 100%, but I'm feeling good enough to record a little episode today. So, uh, today's episode is going to be a follow-up of last episode, uh, the last couple episodes actually. I've been looking at the public school system, and last episode I interviewed a student from a local public high school. Uh, today I will share with you my experience in speaking at a local public school board meeting, uh, addressing some of the issues of transgenderism, um, and the LGBTQ community, and things like that. So I've talked about the policy 321 that is uh, being addressed or being proposed in the Central Buck School District. Uh, I spoke on that topic, but before I dive into that, I wanted to cover the passage of the day. And that passage is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So in that passage, what we see here is that Jesus, of course, is being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And in every single temptation that Jesus faces, he responds by quoting scripture. And in the very last temptation, Satan himself uses scripture against Jesus. And he does so when he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. And then he quotes from Psalm 91, which says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So what about that psalm? What is Satan doing in that psalm? when he's misquoting it. And it should be pretty clear that, that Satan is not going to quote Scripture accurately, and he's going to try to twist it. Now, if you go to Psalm 91, it is a psalm of deliverance. It begins with, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. So it begins with that. It talks about how God will cover his beloved with his wings. 
and that the, the people who follow the Lord will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow of the day. Um, it says, a thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near to you because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. So those who make God their refuge will be protected. And then verse 11 in Psalm 91 says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all their ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And the very next verse is, you will trample on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot, which is ironic because that's exactly what Jesus is going to do to Satan. But Satan doesn't continue the quotation of the passage. He doesn't include that verse in the passage. So in all of this, we see that these songs, essentially, songs of the Lord, they are true, but they are not meant to be used as a test of God. You are not to um, purposely put yourself in a situation that you're going to test God to see if he is true. The whole point of the psalm at the very beginning, it says, my God in whom I trust. So it's a psalm of trust. And what Satan wants Jesus to do is he's trying to put doubt in the mind of Jesus. Does God really love you? Are you really the chosen one? Is he really going to keep his promise? Are you sure about that? One way to be sure is to throw yourself off the temple. And if God is telling the truth, then he will protect your foot from striking against a stone. He will stop it from happening. So obviously Satan, as the father of lies, he hates God and he wants all those who follow God to not trust in him. And that is what Satan was doing from the very beginning, telling Adam and Eve, do you really trust God? Does he, does he really have your best interest? Is what he says true? And can does he keep his promises? But that's what Satan is doing here. So he twists scripture, rips it out of its context as a psalm of trust and faith, and says, well, you can't really trust God. So the only way to know is to make him prove it, test him. So that is what we see with this passage. Now, how do we apply this? Well, it gives us a hint or a glimpse as to how the devil uses the word of God. So the word of God is true and infallible, right? And this would apply, this is a, a conversation that we can talk to some of our Roman Catholic friends, or those who would deny that Scripture is clear enough and sufficient enough for living a life of holiness and for all that is true concerning faithfulness, all that is necessary to be a Christian, to follow the Lord, and to serve Him. So does that mean that Scripture can't be twisted? No, clearly Satan did. People can twist Scripture rip it out of its context, and misuse it. 
just because they do this doesn't mean that something is wrong with the scripture itself. All it means is something is wrong with the person. Something is wrong with their use of scripture. Satan is clearly abusing scripture. He rips it apart. He uses it however he wants. It's basically an act of chaos and destruction. Scripture has an order to it, a meaning to it, a purpose, but he treats it as if it is whatever you want it to mean. There's no order or meaning to Scripture. It's whatever you want it to say because there really is no truth. It's your truth, so you can take Scripture and use it to however you would like. And so that is what Satan does. Now, um, as Christians, we need to recognize that uh, the answer to that is not leaving or departing from Scripture, but continuing with the proper use of Scripture as Jesus does. Jesus doesn't stop using Scripture when Satan starts using Scripture. Jesus continues using Scripture the proper way. Now, what does this have to do with the Central Buck School Board meeting? Well, first I want to share with you what I presented to the board, and it was two weeks ago. And... Uh, it was the first time that I attended in person. I had watched them several times, the recordings, because they record all of the audio and, vi and video. But I usually never get a chance to go to these, so I took the opportunity to do so. And I, I felt led to want to say something. Now, to give you a little bit of a background, the policy in question is policy 321, which talks about keeping the classroom neutral. No... Um, no flags or symbols except for the American flag or the Pennsylvania flag on the walls. And teachers can't uh, promote their socio-political religious views to the, to the students. But even though this attempt at neutrality sounds good and honorable, in October, one of the liberal board members, and I played a clip from her uh, on two episodes ago, she said there is no such thing as neutrality which I agree with. And my statement at the school board meeting had to do with the fact that there is no such thing as neutrality. Your attempt to be neutral is not going to see the fruit that you wanted to see. And so before I read to you what I said to them, um, I showed up about 30 minutes early. The room was fairly empty. There were a few people there. I had never signed up before, so I, it took me a few minutes to find the sign-up sheet. When I signed up to speak, I was number nine. It ended up being that there were 35 people speaking, so that took about two hours or so. Um, so I'm sitting there just pondering how things are going to go and starts filling in more people, and it starts getting particularly, uh, particularly full. Uh, eventually, every seat is filled, and people are lined up against the walls and the uh, and the sides. And I was a little, I was a little nervous at that point because I knew from listening to previous meetings, most of the speakers are pro LGBTQ, and they are against the policy because they want rainbow flags up there, and they want the teachers to promote this, you know, their ideology to the students. So as more people are coming in, I am feeling a little bit more nervous. Quite honestly, 
I had never felt so nervous in my life. It's been a long time since I felt this nervous speaking before a board and in front of potentially a hostile crowd. Uh, even though I've spoken in front of hundreds of people, both preaching uh, at a church and speaking before an audience of military members on whatever topic. But this was a little different. At least that's what uh, that's what I, uh, I perceived. But anyways, uh, I felt a bit of encouragement because, you know, a few minutes later, I hear a voice behind me saying, hey, Mr. Leupold. And I turned and it was um, a young lady that goes to our church. Uh, and she also attends uh, one of the public schools. And so it was good to see a friendly face. I found out that she was there because one of the school classes, uh, their project was to attend a government meeting of some kind. And the school board meeting is probably the, the easiest one to attend. There's other meetings that they could attend. And they were to take notes and um, talk about what was being presented on both sides, what were the strongest arguments for or against. And they had to spend, I think, at least two hours at the meeting observing. Um, it was for, I believe, uh, their government class. And pretty soon, more students show up, I think about 20 or so. And then the teacher shows up, sits next to me. And then one of the parents of another student sits next to me. We start chit-chatting. Um, none of the, 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 the father or the teacher didn't e express their views to me, but I got the, the, uh, the feeling that they were pro-LGBTQ. So they asked me why I was there. I said, yep, I have three children in the school district. They asked what I'm going to talk about. I said, well, policy 321. And they seemed to suggest that you know, hey, you're gonna you're gonna hammer them, right? I'm like, well, you know, we'll see. So it, it seemed like they were indicating or thinking that I was going to um, not support the board in trying to be neutral, but criticize the board for trying to be neutral. And I was going to criticize the board, but not in the way that most people think. Anyways, it was good discussions that we had before the meeting started. Meeting began. And then they knew that I was ninth on the list, so they helped me to get out uh, before it was my turn to make sure that I would be spring-loaded and ready to go to do that. So I go up there, and here is what I said to the board. Good evening, board. My name is Eric Leupold, and I live in Warwick Township. I'm a longtime listener, but first-time speaker. I'm also a father of three, a veteran, a pilot, and a Christian. Tonight, I wanted to say a few words about Policy 321. While I appreciate and applaud your attempt to keep the classroom neutral, I agree with board member Karen Smith when last month she said that education can never be neutral. While she and I would disagree on what values should be taught, neutrality is not an option. There are no brute facts. As one philosopher put it, all facts are interpreted facts. Even our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear that there is no neutrality. He himself declared that whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. This appears to be an intolerant message, yet his words make sense. This world is God's world, and all truth is God's truth. To claim that we each have our own truth implies that God is not the determiner of what is good and beautiful and true. Now, regardless of what secularists might say, our nation was founded on Christian principles. Even after the ratification of the Bill of Rights, half of the states still had established churches. This is because the Establishment Clause was never intended to target the states. Even our own state, never having an established church, recognized the authority of Christ. 
1824, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court declared that, quote, Christianity is and always has been a part of the common law of Pennsylvania, end quote. And in 1892, the Supreme Court of the United States stated that, quote, this is a Christian nation, end quote. Applying this to policy 321, your attempt at neutrality, however well-meaning, is inadequate. This is because Jesus is Lord. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to him. He is the King of Kings. He is that right now. So when we attempt to keep education neutral, we are in fact saying that whoever Jesus is has no bearing on what happens in the classroom. Yet Jesus is the Lord of education, just as he is the Lord of Lords. This does not mean that everyone must be forced to convert, but it does mean that we ought to recognize that humans are made in the image of God, that God has made only two genders, and that true freedom is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. In light of this, my exhortation to you is to not settle for a neutral classroom. As board members, your authority is delegated by the people, but ultimately derived from God. You are under his authority, and so you ought to use your authority to honor Christ as Lord. At the end of the day, it is either Christ or chaos. Jesus is either Lord of the classroom or he is not. There is no neutral ground. Thank you. So, after I gave my little speech there, I did get several claps and cheers, which was not what I expected. I had expected a lot of boos, uh, a lot of insults, but there was none of that. I went back to my seat, and the father and the teacher next to me were, were quiet. I, they didn't really interact with me very much after that. Um, although we did say goodbye uh, very briefly when, when it was over. But I, I think that they were a little surprised uh, as to what side of the issue I came down on. But it went well. I was able to speak within the, a lot of time period without getting beeped or buzzed. No one interrupted or insulted or got angry. So I was very thankful for that. Uh, Interestingly, on the next day, the Bucks County Beacon, a local newspaper, tweeted uh, tweeted out that I was a white Christian nationalist. So they didn't use my name, but they quoted what I said, and they said a you know white Christian nationalist recently spoke at a school board meeting. I was not the only Christian that spoke that night. I believe I was the first, but I was very glad and thankful that others spoke after me. But again, the vast majority of the 35 speakers were were pro-transgenderism, LGBTQ. I'd say about five to seven were against, uh, including myself. The one other topic I want to address on this particular episode is there was one speaker that came up. And, uh, you know, a lot of the speakers were either students who were who had different identities and were struggling with their identity, maybe some parents. And I certainly do feel uh, sadness and my heart breaks for those who are walking in darkness like that and who are struggling with their purpose in life and their identity as, as God made them. But what particularly bothers me, and that's what I'm going to play for you next, is the false teachers or the false teachers that take the word of God and they twist it for what cannot be described as anything other than satanic purposes. And um, I don't use that term lightly, but 
I'm going to play for you a clip. One of the speakers there after me, a few speakers after me, was a reverend from a local quote-unquote church or fellowship, and he spoke in favor of transgenderism and LGBTQ. I just want to play for you what he said. I want you to think through it yourself and consider how he is twisting God's word, and I'll say a few words after that. So here is uh, that clip. Hello, my name is Reverend Kevin Jago. I use he, him pronouns. I live in Doylestown and serve a religious community within our school district, Bucksmont UU Fellowship. I am a proud ally of trans and queer youth and adults who are whole and holy as they are. As a religious leader representing a faith community within the Central Buck School District, I feel called upon to address the harm being caused to our larger community, as well as the students and staff within our schools whose families attend my and other religious communities in our area. What is the role of a public education in our country and our community specifically? It is to prepare our children to live in this world and succeed in multiple ways, academically, ethically, musically, as we heard tonight, and vocationally, as well as having the skills and habits needed to adapt to the situations they will find themselves in throughout life. You are those entrusted with creating effective policy for our school district from your own website. The school board is the governing body of the school district with three basic functions, planning, setting policy, and evaluating results. What result is your policy making eliciting? Financial irresponsibility due to unnecessary legal fees to defend what so many in our community do not want. Harm to our students who now know that those in power do not see them as valid humans or equal participants in our education system due to their religion, race, sexuality, or gender identity. Harm to the community as a whole as you try to create policies that support one narrow minority definition of the world, which is putting neighbor against neighbor and drawing people tied to white Christian nationalist organizations to our town to support this misguided work. Banning books and controlling how kids can be named in the classroom do not prepare them for the real world. Policy 321, though paused now, if passed at a future meeting, will cost us dearly. It will cost us financially as lawsuits mount. It will cost us ethically as we show the larger community and sadly our children and youth that this body holds nothing but mistrust for our teachers and contempt for so many of our students. And it will cost us academically as distractions add up in classrooms more than any flag could ever do. Distractions created solely by you. As a religious leader, 
I am called upon to reflect on how we are to be in this life and how we are to be in community with one another. The Ten Commandments, one of our most recognizable sets of moral statements which come from Jewish scriptures, lays out a moral system that has impacted much of our modern world. Of those Ten Commandments, more than half of them are not focused on any deity at all, but rather on how we should treat each other as human beings, how we should behave. Reflecting upon these commandments, I invite our attention to the second, thou shall not make unto thee any graven images. The world you are trying to build through your policies is a false idol, a golden calf. It is a world that doesn't exist and never did. Our school district, our country, and our world is one in which LGBTQ people, students, staff, and families exist. You cannot change this. Our world is one in which to succeed academically and in the workplace, you need to be able to navigate differences not rely on policymakers to whitewash it and ban it away. Our world is one in which we respect others enough to call them by the names they share with us and are not afraid to learn through the stories of people unlike us. Our world is one I hope you will stop trying to pretend does not exist because it is not perfect, but it is the only one we have and you are making it worse, not better. Election day is less than a year away. We are paying attention. Please do better. Thank you. So there was a lot there that we could talk about. I want to bring up a few of his points. I'll briefly address them. And I'll let you, the listener, uh, think through what he said. And how would you respond to his use of scripture and his argument as a whole? So he said at the beginning that they're whole and holy as they are, which is a worldview that denies the effect of sin. The problem is, though, is that people are not, yes, they are made in the image of God, but that image is marred and damaged and not holy. So by nature, we are sinners. By nature, we are children of wrath we are filthy we are unholy and we're not whole right we're we're lacking that fellowship with our creator so we're anything but whole we're fractured we're fragmented we're broken so when he says that we're whole and holy as we are that's quite frankly not true that's a lie it is completely opposite of what jesus taught and what scripture teaches. He mentioned the unnecessary legal fees. And to give you a point of context, the school board is being threatened with a lawsuit because of this policy. So they are hiring a lawyer uh, to defend them just in case. But he's essentially saying that their actions are bringing about unnecessary cost to the community, which is funny because in scripture, Whenever Israel sinned, they had to make sacrifices. And so the more sin that exists, 
the more it costs the people. So sin does have a social and private cost. But he's arguing that their policy is the sin that has a cost, whereas the truth is that what they're trying to do is at least temporarily stop the sin. That's, that's costing our society, our local community. He then goes on to say that this policy, so basically being neutral, does not see them as valid humans. Again, bogus. They are human. But what does it mean to be human? It means that you were designed a certain way to function a certain way. What does the uh, Westminster Confession say? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. So to be a valid human is to be someone that glorifies God and enjoys him forever. Jesus is the most valid human that ever lived. He defines what it means to live the human life, to be human. We, who are sinners, are actually, apart from Christ, we are not living up to our design as humans. We are living against that. We're living contrary to God's original design and intention in the garden. So it's, again, very ironic. Those who are butchering themselves and changing their gender and who are confused in their identity, they are not living the human life as God intended. They are human, but humanity is defined by God, not by man. Then he accuses the board of submitting to one narrow minority definition of the world. Well, it is interesting that Jesus said that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So if you believe in truth, that means there's one truth and many, many falsehoods. And that does appear to be a bit narrow because that's the nature of truth. For something to be true, everything else that can be said about it is false. Then he quotes of putting neighbor against neighbor, which again is interesting because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 38, that he did not come to bring peace but a sword. So yes, he is the Prince of Peace. In Christ there is peace. But he himself, through the gospel, um, it's going to bring a sword. He's going to put father against son, mother against daughter, sister against brother, because the gospel is going to divide families and communities and society. But what's the most egregious statement that the reverend gave was his quoting of the Ten Commandments, which, quite frankly, very much surprised me when he brought that up. Usually when people bring up scripture in favor of the LGBTQ community, it's usually a scripture reference such as do not judge or love your neighbors yourself. But he went to the Ten Commandments. It's ironic that he said that it is a moral system that has impacted us. Yes, it's more than just that. It's also the truth and the foundation of any uh, thriving society. Uh, he correctly points out that more than half of them, of the commandments, are focused on loving your neighbor. Yes, they are a summary of what it means to love God and love neighbor. But then he mentions the second commandment, no graven images. And of course, that 
you know, initially refers to uh, images carved or sculpted that assist in worship. Um, he suggests that the that the board is building a world that is a false idol, a world that never existed and does not exist. I would disagree that it never existed. It wasn't that long ago that everyone agreed that there were only two genders. So not sure where he's making that argument from. But it is true that we can make things into idols. We can make our ideas or our feelings or our thoughts or you know our dreams into an idol. But the question is, is that what they're doing? Or are they trying to honor God, protect children, stand for truth, and um, order, you know, order society, and bear and bear their authority as God has called them to? The Reverend would certainly say that they're engaged in idolatry; they're breaking God's commandments. But the fact is, is that they're not. I, I would say they're they're trying to be neutral, which isn't going to work. So I, I would call them to go further, but but he thinks that them being neutral or trying to advocate neutrality is a breaking of the second commandment, which it's so ironic that he mentions that, but the question is, are you going to read the other commandments? What about the commandment of not committing adultery, which is the broad commandment that covers all the sub-laws of other sexual sins? including homosexuality. So, again, this reverend certainly abused scripture, ripped it out of its context, and even though he said some true things, ultimately the falsehood was embedded in that. And that is what disturbs me the most as a Christian, because false teachers get the greatest judgment in the eyes of Jesus, they are certainly dangerous in the sense that they lead the sheep astray. And while I, f- I do feel pity and sadness for those who are struggling with, you know, identity issues, those who lead them down a path of destruction, Jesus has very strong words against those. And in the Gospels, he said to those who cause these little ones to sin. It'd be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the sea than that they should cause one of these little ones to sin. So those who lead our children um, and, and young people into sin and encourage them down that path, um, Jesus has very strong words for them. So at the end of the day, we have to stand against that. It's spiritual warfare. We have to, we have to preach the, the truth. We have to pray for them. I pray for this reverend, even now for his repentance, but the truth has to get presented to them. And so, anyways, um, I, I would recommend that you go to the Central Buck School District website and, and listen to the public comments of the meeting on November 15th to hear some of the other uh, comments from both sides. Um, but again, as Christians, we need to think about these things. We need to be willing, I would say, to... to to say something because it isn't neutral. There is spiritual warfare. The other side is speaking and is trying to lead the people astray. So Christians, 
have to have the courage to stand up and to speak against that. So thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, please email me at thegbgpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those places. Please share the show with a friend. Uh, that would greatly help out, particularly those who live in Bucks County or the Central Bucks School District. Um, I would encourage them to listen to this and to listen to the uh, to the board meeting, to get involved in what's going on in the local community. So uh, with that, thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, take care. And-